Hi everybody, this is Dr. Jarvik, and this podcast is going to be on hormonal regulation. So I want you to think back to glucose regulation, and remember that insulin is a hormone that is released from the pancreas. And this is just one of many examples of hormone regulation. One thing to notice and uh, think about when we discuss hormonal regulation is there will be a lot of opposites. For example, example, there can be hypersecretion where there's too much of a hormone, or there can be hyposecretion where there's not enough. So Addison's disease, um, when we have Addison's disease, we can see hypoglycemia. And the opposite of that um, with Cushing's disease is where we see some hyperglycemia. Um, Addison's and Cushing's disease revolve around the hormone cortisol, which we've talked about this several times throughout the year. Um, Cushing's, there's too much cortisol, and with Addison's, there's not enough. An important part of hormonal regulation is to really take it back to your anatomy and physiology. So you have to go back to the glands and the hormones in the body, and there's the feedback process that occurs within there. Remember, the nerves don't go everywhere throughout the body, so hormones in our endocrine glands is one of the ways the body sends messages for bodily functions and processes to occur. Now, the glands. Um, The hypothalamus and pituitary uh, gland, they really do a lot. Um, As you should remember, they are located in the brain, pretty much right in the middle. And if you think back to when we discussed intracranial regulation and traumatic brain injury, if there is a traumatic brain injury in a patient, um, these glands could be damaged, which could result in some um, hormonal imbalance issues. Uh, The hypothalamus is the control center. It is um, can't read my note here. It um, initiates uh, this feedback by releasing hormones, which then causes um, glands to release more hormones. Um, It secretes corticotropin-releasing hormone, thyroid-releasing hormone, growth hormone, releasing hormone, oxytocin, as well as antidiuretic hormone, which um, is also known as ADH. And now it doesn't actually secrete ADH, but it produces it. And we'll talk more about this soon. Um, So uh, the feedback system starts um, in, in that is um, where a lot of this occurs. Now, the pituitary gland is the master gland, and it is divided into the anterior and posterior sections. The anterior section of the pituitary secretes adrenocorticotropin um, hormone, thyroid-stimulating hormone, and growth hormone, where the posterior pituitary secretes and stores ADH, the antidiuretic hormone. Now, our thyroid gland Um, When you think about the thyroid, the major thing I think about with the thyroid is the metabolism. It also secretes T3 and T4, which are thyroid hormones. Now, the parathyroids, those are embedded actually within the the thyroid, and they help to um, regulate and control our calcium levels, Um, and it secretes the parathyroid hormone. 
Now, our adrenal glands, these are adjacent to the kidneys, and they are primarily responsible for releasing cortisol and aldosterone. Uh, they also secrete catecholamines such as epinephrine and norepinephrine. And of course, we have our gonads, which um, are responsible for our sex hormones. Uh, the pancreas, it helps to control our blood glucose by releasing uh, insulin or glucagon. And so thinking about the location of um, the glands, we can think about uh, the different issues that a patient can have and how it's going to affect these hormones. Now, the endocrine system, um, when you're thinking about the assessment, you really need to think about um, the major bodily functions. Um, some of those things would be potentially weight loss or weight gain. Um, bowel movements, do they have diarrhea or constipation? Urination, are they urinating too much or not enough? And so as I talk through some of these things, you can see how there are really a lot of opposites secondary to either too much or too little of a hormone. Most of, most of the exemplars that we will discuss um, within this unit, the patients will require lifelong therapy, um, meaning lifelong hormone therapy. And so we have to think about psychosocially, is that a problem for them? And then physically, um, they can have changes in appearance from these hormonal changes. Now, think about um, age groups. <clears throat> um, hormone problems can happen in, in any age group. Um, but when newborns are first born, they get a heel prick, uh, and they get lots of different tests to test them for all kinds of different um, things. One of the things that they test, and, and I'm pretty sure this happens in all 50 states, is they test for hypothyroidism. And so when we think about thyroid, I said it, it affects the metabolism. And so if the baby had hypothyroidism, it would really affect their uh, development and growth. And so we would obviously need to address this um, right away or else the baby, um, you know, is, is not going to develop appropriately if they did have congenital hypothyroidism. Now, our reproductive hormones, um, we're born with um, everything that we need, uh, but most of those hormones are, are dormant until we hit adolescence. You know, it just doesn't start working until later on. And then in puberty, the anterior pituitary starts to release uh, LH and FSH, um, and these are gonadotropins. Now, I'm not going to go into a lot about luteinizing hormone or follicle-stimulating hormone because we'll talk about these more in reproduction section. But as we age, these glands become smaller and they release less of the hormones. And as a result, there can be um, decreased physiological activity um, secondary to the hormones. And, and in men, this can be exhibited by frailty and in women by menopause. Um, they can also have decreased metabolism, which can lead to weight gain, decreased appetite because they have decreased metabolism, cold intolerance, and they can also end up with decreased ADH, that antidiuretic hormone. And when we don't have enough um, ADH, there'll be dilute urine and increased risk of dehydration. And so um, especially in our elderly, we're going to need to watch for that dehydration. So again, if you don't have enough ADH, you lose fluid. So it's the antidiuretic hormone, meaning we normally, that helps us hold on to fluid. Now, hormone deficiencies or excess is either caused by production, secretion, 
or the regulatory mechanism um, of the glands not working correctly. So again, you go back to your anatomy and physiology, the hypothalamus, um, or there could be an issue with the target area, such as the adrenal gland. So it could be any of those issues that cause those problems. So the process, um, the hormones released from the gland, and then from there it goes to the target tissue, and there's a receptor on the target tissue where it attaches, and then the hormones stimulate some sort of action in the body. And when there are variances in either the production or the feedback mechanism, the consequences can vary significantly. There are all kinds of signs and symptoms because then it can, it can affect um, all um, kinds of bodily processes. Some of the consequences um, could be alterations in growth and development. Like I've talked about the thyroid, there can be alterations in um, cognition, metabolism, reproduction, changes in growth and altered adaptive responses in patients. And there's not really one set of population that's more at risk than others. It can happen to just anybody. Um, we don't always know the cause, um, although sometimes it is a direct injury, which makes more sense. And sometimes it's linked to immunity, where there's an autoimmune disorder, where the body is attacking itself. So our assessments need to be in-depth, The um, really be looking at the bodily processes for weight gain, weight loss, um, potentially from hormonal issues. We need to get that good baseline history, um, what's going on with those bodily functions that I talked about a little bit earlier. And then we need to decide um, on, you know, if there should be some testing. And that'll be, of course, done by the healthcare provider. Um, they can test for hormone levels. They can also test um, where you can either stimulate or suppress the hormone to see how the body's reacting. Or we could even do um, a biopsy or imaging if we think a tumor is potentially causing the problem. So um, as far as helping the patient, um, there's really not a ton of primary prevention per se. Uh, making sure that the patient is active, has a healthy weight, because obesity, of course, as we've talked about before, can lead to some of these hormone imbalances. And of course, from a, a secondary standpoint, we've already talked about the screenings. Um, there's the newborn testing that's done, as well as um, testing for gestational diabetes with an oral glucose tolerance test. Now, treatment's going to depend on the issues. Um, if you notice in your textbook, there's several meds. Um, it can be replacing the hormone for deficiencies, but some of these medications actually involve destroying the gland so we can prevent overproduction. Now, there is um, one really big priority assessment um, in relation to hormonal regulation, and that's going to be that fluid and electrolyte management. Um, there can be actual and or potential fluid and electrolyte issues, especially when we're talking about that antidiuretic hormone. Now, physical changes um, secondary to these hormone issues, um, it can affect a person's libido, sexual functioning, and mood. And of course, all of that can then affect them psychosocially. Now, some other interrelated concepts that I want to um, talk about. We've already talked about immunity and the potential for autoimmune, uh, fluid and electrolyte, problems with fluid and electrolyte, stress, um, 
Cortisol, we've talked about that before, and counter-regulatory hormone, reproduction, and all of the, the uh, hormones that go with that. Development can be affected by this. Um, nutrition, of course, is really important. When we think of nutrition, we think of glucose regulation and weight gain and insulin and glucagon. And we even talked about intracranial regulation, where if those glands are damaged with the hypothalamus or pituitary, we could have problems. And I realized that hormonal regulation can be really overwhelming. And so my biggest thing I can tell you to help you learn this material is to really go back to your anatomy and physiology, really focus on those hormones and what those hormones do and where they come from. And it does require quite a bit of repetition of getting into the material quite a bit to get this material down. But just like with acid base and glucose regulation, I uh, believe that you'll have no problems in getting this um, concept and understanding it well.